This is a download from the Wireless Theatre Company. This was to be a download from the Wireless Theatre Company. This is the recording of a planned wireless live Halloween show at the Leicester Square Theatre London that was recorded on Halloween night. However, following the incident and with the permission of the families of those involved, this recording has been seen fit to be released to the public. Make of it what you will. Uh, just here, yeah? Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, testing, testing, one, two, three. Don't do, do, do that, it's delicate, yeah? What is it? He hasn't got a ticket. Don't worry, I'm not staying. I'm sorry, can I help you? Yes. Young man, you can cancel this performance. Uh, why? I'm warning you not to go ahead with this play. If I'd known what you were up to, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have helped. Uh, I don't understand. I'm sorry, who are you? Ask your advisors. He just walked straight in. In fact, he pushed past me. Right, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave unless you want to go back to the box office and buy a ticket. What if you pay me? In that case, sir, you must go. We're about to record a live show. What if, I, what if I scream the police down? Well, I think it would be much nicer if you didn't. Shall I call the police? That's up to this gentleman, I think. Don't worry, I'm going. I wouldn't stay in here if you paid me. Goodbye, then. Trish, why bring him to me? Why do I have to deal with the local weirdo? Right, is this thing working? Uh, Keith, can you check the levels? It's sounding off. How's it going? Fine, uh, just need to... Keith, how's it sounding to you? Sounds fine now. Okay. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Wireless Theatre Company's live Halloween show here at the Leicester Square Theatre. Uh, my name's... Oh, hey, very good. Um, my name's Tom Brazier, and I'm the director of uh, tonight's show. Um, so can we start, please, with a huge round of applause as we welcome our cast onto stage. Very good. Now, before we begin, I'd just like to explain a little bit about what you're about to see. Um, this is a live radio recording, so it's probably not like anything else you've seen before. Um, usually, we record this in a studio, and we have lots of time to sort of go back over tracks and things like that. Uh, but as it is, it'll be live. And even though the actors have scripts, they'll be reading off scripts, uh, you may see them make a few mistakes as they go along. Um, now, if this happens, obviously, we can't have a mistake in the final recording, so we've got to go back uh, and, then, uh, and then go to the top. So, if they do make a mistake, they might encourage you to make a, a, a spooky ooh sort of sound. Um, so uh, actually, if we could practice that, if everyone can make a big spooky ooh noise for me. Okay, that's really good, but let's, let, let, let's do it even bigger. Let's have some fun. So really big, ooh. Fantastic, brilliant. Um, not every time they do it, um, but, but, but when they do, uh, they, they'll, they'll sort of, uh, they'll know that they made a mistake as well, so they'll, they'll, they'll call you on it. Um, 
And, and, and the other thing is to say that it, it, it's a radio recording, um, but you guys are very much part of it. So all, all your laughing and all your reactions, uh, if you do laugh, of course, uh, or, <laughs> or if you do react, they're all really, really welcome. So please, uh, please don't feel inhibited by that at all. Um, the final thing to say is that all the, uh, all the history uh, from, from, from tonight's play is based on real historical events. Um, but enough talking from me. Uh, let's begin tonight's performance of Phonophobia. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Geoffrey Verwood, and the story I'm about to tell you is true. I should know I still have nightmares. Ten years ago, I was a post-grad student working towards a doctorate in European history. I had always been interested in the past, and back then I liked nothing better than the quiet of old libraries. That's what took me down to London, and that's where it all began. It was a hot afternoon in town back in October 1999. My train had been overcrowded and the journey far too long. Too many people, too much noise. Something I forgot to tell you. I suffer from a condition called phonophobia, which means I don't like loud or sudden noises. I really don't. But getting the train down to the capital was worth it if it meant getting my hands on a very rare book from the British Library. It was the final piece of research for my thesis. As I made my way through the bustling streets of London, trying not to panic at the noises around me, a police car shot past, its sirens blaring. Overcome with fear, I covered my ears, but it was no use. I pushed through the crowds, desperate to escape. Somehow I ducked into a doorway and found myself in a second-hand bookshop just off the Charing Cross Road. Inside the shop, it was dusty and dark and quiet. Uh, uh, just browsing, thank you. What? Uh, Sorry, I am a little uh, hard of uh, hearing. Ah, that's, uh, that's uh, quite, quite all right. Okay, sorry. Well, uh, feel free to, uh, to browse. Ah, thank you. I left the deaf old bookshop proprietor to his crossword puzzle and explored the gloomy far corner of his blessedly hushed emporium. Books filled every nook and fanny. <laughs> Books filled every nook and cranny from the floor to the rafters. It was heavenly. While I was studying a stained and dusty leather-bound book, a small yellow scrap of paper fell out of the back cover and landed at my feet. Even before I picked it up, I could tell that it was not only very old, but somehow strange. But at the time, I couldn't possibly have guessed how strange it would turn out to be. Opening the folded scrap, I saw that it was covered in an indecipherable and spidery scrawl with a date, 1920. No, wait. It wasn't completely indecipherable. A key had been written that showed the strange cabalistic symbols were coded musical notes. I had a sudden urge to decode them. I quickly glanced back at the bookshop owner, but, well, he was otherwise engaged. 
Nine across, 11 letters, five finger discount. S, H, something P, and ends in the G. Almost without knowing what I was doing, I quietly slipped the mysterious piece of notepaper in my pocket. It was the first and last act of theft, and one I'd regret for a very long time. I left London sooner than planned and took the long train home. Deep down, I was relieved to get away from the noise. My thoughts turned to the scrap of paper I'd taken. There was a strange feeling of mystery, excitement. To be honest, I was bored to death by my thesis. This was much more exciting than the working conditions in the Lancastrian woolen mills of the 19th century. If the code really was musical, then I knew just who to turn to. Personally, I've never had much talent for music. But luckily, a good friend of mine was also one of the finest music students I knew. Thorley. Kate Thorley. When I got back, I grabbed a taxi from the station and went straight to her flat. Jeff! Thorley. Oh. Sorry, you surprised me. Thought you were still in London. I was just... Yes, I heard. Very nice. <laughs> if you're busy, I could, you know, it's, it's all right. Oh, I'll... don't be silly. Leave your suitcase in the hall. Have you grown a goatee? Yes, like it? It's nice. Oh, sorry. Come in. Hello. Oh, it's a bit scratchy. The beard? I, I could. No, it's fine. Right. Tea? Coffee? No, I don't want to be any trouble. Oh, it's no trouble. Take a pew while I put the kettle on. Tea, thanks. Is Susie in? No, she's got back-to-back -back classes this afternoon. You okay? I'm good, good, thanks. You? Got a new violin, then? You heard, then. Like it? It's got a great sound. Listen. Very nice. What's so urgent, then? Nothing, nothing important. What makes you say that? You've still got your luggage. You came straight here. Right, yes. Something wrong? No, no, not at all. It's just, uh, well, it's a little silly, really. Here you are. No sugar. Uh, thanks. Right, well, I found this down in London. See, at first, it's just a bunch of spooky hieroglyphics, but this key shows that the first symbols represent the letters A and B, and the numbers one and two, and beside them is a large and very ornate treble clef. Now, I'm no expert, but I'd guess that it's a clue that this is some sort of coded musical shorthand. Hmm. And this symbol might be a C. You can see there. C, three, A, two. Right, so the note of C for three beats, A for two? <laughs> you mean counts, but very good. I'm impressed. <laughs> Thanks. But these bits written under them, like here, X, C, eight, three. All those odd letters and numbers. And there, VA24. Oh, I see. Whoever wrote this used shorthand, right? C3A2. But all those random ones. X, there. It means C again. V4 means A2. And there, by the T, you have an 8. So does that mean 8 is 3? Three. So T8 is another note for three counts, right? Uh-huh. 
They've definitely used some sort of code to hide something musical. Like in the newspapers when they have those puzzles where they give you one or two letters and you have to work out the rest. It's virtually exactly the same. I love those. What do you reckon? I was thinking that if, well, there's any chance you could give me a hand here, well, it's, you know... An intriguing little mystery. I thought you had a thesis to finish. Only if you're too busy. Oh, anything for a mate. Just need a bit of time and... Hang on. What's that written there? What? Where? It's almost hidden on the crease. And... Anton... Walder... Volderberg... Draka. Anton Volderberg Draka. See? Thorley, you're brilliant. Anton Volderberg Draka. Never heard of him. Can I borrow your phone line, see if he's on the internet? Go on, then. Thanks. <laughs> nice jumper, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Only a fiver from Woolworths. <laughs> Gotta love Yahoo. It's such a fantastic research tool. So are books. What made you grow a goatee? You know, just... Right, here we go. Anton Volderberg Dracker and click search. And... And? Connection's a little slow. <laughs> here we are. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> ah, ah, wait. Let's... Let's try. How much is this costing me? Nothing on him. Nothing at all. Huh. Maybe he never made the grade. See what it says in the Oxford Musical Companion, under your mug there. Dracker, 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 no. Try Voldemort, Dracker. Uh, don't say it. <laughs> Told you so. Anton Volderberg Dracker, born 1880 in Vienna, composer, place and time of death unknown. That's it. You know my personal tutor, Dr. Eldon, don't you? Yeah, you introduced us at the concert last summer. He's a genius when it comes to this sort of thing. Amazing knowledge. You might be able to get an appointment with him next week. I'll ring him now. It's getting too late, surely. Don't worry. He's a night owl. Eldon? Then pub. Sounds good to me. You're buying the crisps. <laughs> so, a composer who disappeared and a mysterious code hidden in a book in London. Very X-Files. Hello? Dr. Eldon? Kate? Kate Thorley? Yes, hello. I'm good, thanks. You? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <gasps> yes. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any, uh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, oh, oh, yes, yeah. Mm. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, a quick question. Have you ever heard of a composer called Anton Voldemar Drucker? If you have, I was just wondering if a friend of mine could come and see you. He's just checking to see when he might be free. Uh, yes? What? Now? Okay. Let me just check. Jeff, he wants to know if you want to go over there now. Now? As in now? Right now? Oh, uh, sure. Yes. He's on his way. Okay, you do. Have a good night. Yeah, bye. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, bye. Eldon's never like that. You're honoured. Here. Thanks. Sorry. No problem. Can I keep your mysterious piece of paper? Sure, I trust you. Before you go, let's have a quick try. Right, okay. So the first part could be... <coughs> ah! You're right. Uh, just the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, what was that? Fell off the shelf. Right, yeah. Try again. This isn't part of it. Has anyone left their mobile phones on? Um, you've got to try and switch them. Actually, if you could make sure they're not on silent and make them switch off properly. It's pretty delicate, the recording equipment. I'm just going to go and check with the sound guys. Uh, and meanwhile, our leading man will entertain you with some jokes. Yes. Thank you, James, very much. Uh, one second. No, no. Go on, James. Go on. Why did Dracula drink Benelin? Because of his coffin? Um, <laughs> Why did the baker have smelly fingers? Because he needed a poo. Uh, oh, God! <laughs> do, do the one about the yeses. Thank God for that. Sorry, thank you, James. Uh, let's give him a big clap for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm so cruel. Um, uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, this is obviously live theatre for you, so... Uh, Let's continue with tonight's tale of phonophobia. Thank you. My evening with Thorley had left me uneasy. Not only did I feel like a total pillock for my phonophobic turn in front of her, I was also alarmed by the fact that when she played those notes, the book fell from the shelf, as if an invisible hand had pushed it. And what's more, I had the strangest feeling that someone or something was following me. As for Dr. Eldon, I passed him in the corridors every now and then. A kind-faced old duffer who looked like he'd been knitted out of tweed. I'd thought it was rather late for a visit, but as Thorley had told me, Dr. Eldon always had his door open for a good mystery. 
Hello. Ah, oh, yes, Geoffrey, is it? Jeff. Oh, marvellous. Do come in, Geoffrey. Uh, thank you for coming straight over. Uh, tea? No, thank you. Fantastic collection you have here. Is this score a genuine Mozart? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, bless me, no. No, no. The original is in Salzburg. But rumour has it this tea set belonged to Handel. Oh, yes, various little collectibles here and there. I often feel if you really want to get close to a composer, the best idea is to get close to what they owned. Uh, what might have been an inspiration to them? The secrets behind the music, as it were? Uh, now, what can I do for you, Geoffrey? Jeff. Kate called. Uh, she said she wanted, you to, wanted to talk about Anton Draker. That's the one. Yes. Fascinating. He's one of my pet subjects, and uh, not one I can often discuss with my fellow scholars. He's better known for his personal life than for his music. Musically, he was rather un unremarkable, unfortunately. How did you come to hear of him? I told him everything about the paper I had found, about how I had taken it to Kate, that she told me she thought it was some sort of coded music. Well, everything except that I'd stolen it. Anything else? It's been dated by the author 1920. 1920? Definitely the same hand? Yes, is that important? Oh, my boy, my boy. <laughs> let, let, let me tell you the story. Draka was a child prodigy. Studied at the Paris Conservatoire at an incredibly young age until they booted him out. His music was avant-garde, but unpopular then and all but forgotten now. Anyway, Draka's social circle had a taste for experimenting with psychic phenomena, mediums and the like. For the most part, they were a gaggle of tedious late 19th century spiritualists, but Draka took things much further. There were rumours of body snatching, and more than a whiff of murder. All hearsay, of course, and despite his lack of professional success, his musical ambition was unbounded. He turned his back on the outside world to work on his magnum opus, as he called it, his masterpiece. But after his final declaration, he moved to London, and nothing was heard from him again. And that, well, that was in 1909. 1909? You see? What you found could very well be Draka's final work, missing for nearly a century. And what was this final declaration? I will not be undone. I will not be bound by history. I will outlive time itself. I wish I could tell you more. No, you've uh, been very helpful, thank you. I, I really must be going. Not at all, not at all. If you need anything else, here's my number. Just call. After meeting Dr. Eldon, I couldn't stop thinking about the strange character of Anton Dracker. Through complete chance, I'd made a connection through time with a, well, what was he? A monster? But all the while, Draka drew closer. My thesis seemed to fade away. To be honest, I think I already knew I wouldn't finish it. 
I have discovered a genuine piece of history, a true window into a secret past. And if Kate and I could unlock it, just imagine the challenge of Dracker's final mystery. Someone was definitely following me. Geoffrey. Ah! I'm glad I caught up with you. Something I'd forgotten to tell you. It, it might be useful. Oh, that's, uh, that's good. Are you, are you all right, my boy? I'm uh, fine, Dr. Eldon, just fine. Uh, what was it? Hmm? What? Oh, oh well, well it, it's not much, and uh, quite probably a long shot, but if old Draker was anything like his contemporaries, on his move to London, he might well have taken lodgings in the vicinity of Leicester Square. Kate called the following morning to find out everything Eldon had told me. She invited me around to do some more research that night. It was not a date. <laughs> Hi. Hi. You shave your goatee off. Yeah, just thought, you know. Mmm. Mmm. What's the aftershave? Uh, cool water. Bought some I bought Chinese. some wine. <laughs> <clears throat> I, uh, I bought some Chinese. Enough for you, me. And Susie, if she's in, wants any. She's more than welcome. Oh, Susie's out tonight. Some white? Yeah, please. I can't find any mention of Dracker living in London online. Pass the crackers. Cheers, hon. This was not a date. <laughs> Wine. Dinner. Place to ourselves. It's like a date. <laughs> Except it's not. <laughs> it's their anniversary next door. So, find anything? Leicester Square, 1920s. Saw an increase of visitors as the underground line was extended. Large number of music halls, cinemas, theatres. Nothing much, really. And the Anthony Drake murder case, of course. What's the wine? Pinot Grigio. Quite a trendy little number. <laughs> Suits you, you know. What does? No goatee. I like it. You think? I mean, well, good, thanks. Hang on. What? Anthony Drake. The infamous post-World War I psycho. Anthony Drake. Anton Dracker. It couldn't be, could it? They, they couldn't be the one and the same, could they? A bit of a coincidence, if you ask me. What are you doing? The internet may not be much good for looking up European avant-garde composers, but it's very good for looking up serial killers. Here. Anthony Drake, music teacher, lived at 6 Leicester Place, next to the Church of Notre Dame. Well, could be a wild goose chase. Or... Eldon might have been right. After we finished dinner, I rang Eldon. He encouraged me to make the trip to London and promised to help Thorley decode our mysterious coded puzzle. Thorley had seen me off at the station and given me her dictaphone so I could make notes. It didn't mean anything. 
I mean, it was just a dictaphone. Uh, this is Geoffrey Verwood. On the train. It's cloudy. Something else had been bothering me just when the train was about to leave. You sure you got everything? Yes. Did you pack a camera? Huh? <gasps> you didn't, did you? No, I'll uh, just, uh, I, um... What? Um, nothing. It's, it's just that I thought I saw... It's going to sound a bit odd, but... Uh... Last call! Ah! All aboard! You OK? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I have to go. Don't drink the water. And call me. Will do. I'd said nothing, but I thought I'd seen a dark figure watching us from in the crowds. Perhaps I'd only imagined it, but what if Thorley was in danger? Or what if the dark figure was somewhere on the train with me? I came out of the tube station and went in search of the site of Drake's lodgings at number six Leicester Place. It matched the old photograph I'd found. Hello there, is this Six Leicester Place? Yeah. Doing some building work then? Yeah, some new theatre they want here. Theatre? Oh, that's good. Why is that good? Because I'm a theatre producer. I put on shows and the like, and uh, I have an appointment here, all right, if I go in. Well, I don't see why not. Thanks. Yeah, hold up. Wait a second. That was it. I knew I'd been rumbled. You don't know anyone who can help out my nephew, do you? He wants to get into musicals. Write down your number and I'll give it to some people. Big people. Cheers, fella. I found myself in a half-complete auditorium. I couldn't resist. I stood on the stage, which was empty, apart from a lone grand piano. The thought that under my feet Anton Drache may once have practiced his dark arts sent a chill through my bones. Jake, stop that! Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. You frightened the life out of me. What's wrong with you? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, loud noises make me very nervous. You silly... Look at me. My hands are shaking. Would you mind lowering your voice, sir? I'd be much happier if you were angry with me at a much lower volume. How's this? That's much better, thank you. Who are you? Geoffrey Verwood. I'm a... Pro with the water board. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Stan, the caretaker. Just the man I was looking for, Stan the man. Just Stan. Just Stan. Good. Could you uh, show me the basement, Stan? We descended into the basement. But what I found was more like a dungeon. This is it. Truth be told, no one comes down here much. Uh, do you get much flooding in here? Uh, we've been having a lot of problems with the water mains and I'm on the hunt for a travelling rupture. Could strike anywhere, really serious. I need to take some photos too. 
Wow, it's old. Must have a lot of history down here. My lad, there's tons of it. The monastery, old Drake, the venue. Drake? The West End Ripper. You're probably too young to remember his case, but uh, rumour has it. This is where the old beggar lived. Oldest part of the building. I remember the stories from when I was a nipper. If you don't wash behind your ears, old man Drake will get you. As we stood in the basement, Stan began to tell me all about Drake. Some of his story I knew, some I didn't. Well, my wife's into all that true crime stuff. You should talk to her. It's all Jack the Ripper this, John Christie that. Do you know, this was where old Drakey boy used to bring his victims. They were all pupils of his. Police couldn't prove anything, though. Then, in 1925, the families of those who were reported missing, they cornered him. One cold, dark night, and... Ow? No idea. But even after his death, unearthly music was still heard, especially on the nights of May Eve and Halloween. Especially during the bombings. Never heard it myself, mind. Bombings? Well, the place was bombed to Kingdom Come by the Luftwaffe during the war. They completely destroyed the building, except for the basement. That was used as a shelter. But I remember my mother saying that people would often rather risk the bombs than being here. Because of the haunting? That's right. Blooming nonsense. Later, London was rebuilt, including this place. The stories were forgotten. Too many real horrors during the war, I suppose. strange happened at the end of the 70s. By then, this place had become a punk rock venue. I don't care much for punk music. The wife and I like a bit of Perry Como. Well? Anyhow, the lead singer of some punk band, Vinnie Flob, he snuffed it down here. How? His manager was with him that night. He's about the only one who'll know the truth of it. All this happened here? This actual basement. The boss wants to turn it into an extra theatre space. <laughs> Good luck to him. So, uh, you don't know where I could find this manager, do you? Oh, I've got an old card somewhere. Why would you want to see him? Because I want to hire a band for my great Aunt Sadie's birthday. <laughs> Your great aunt? Yeah. All right, here you go. I'll pop over now. Well, what about the leak? Oh, it can wait. Uh, is there a payphone nearby? There's a red one on the square. Out of the main entrance, turn left. Can't miss it. Cheers. I'll be seeing you.
Ah, sorry, madam, I need to make a call. You what? Hi! Uh, I'm really sorry. No, they have to ring my bookie. Just two seconds, it's important. Oh, Sue's lucky strike at each one. But I was here first. Two seconds, promise. Oh, cheek. Hello? Thorley, it's Jeff. Jeff! I tried to call you at your hotel. I'm at Six Leicester Place. You'll never guess what's here. What? A theatre. They're building a theatre on Drake's Dungeon. I took photos. And there's some sort of a link to a punk rocker called Vinnie Flob. Listen, Jeff, listen, I have news. Will you hurry up? He yes. wants it too. Hang on. I'm running out of money. Sorry. Jeff, I did it. What? We were right. It's a score. An arrowbest. Oh, you're brilliant. Draco called it eternity. And he's written a hidden note. I will not be bound. You should have been the first to know, but you're so hard to get hold of. I will not be bound, that's it. It's his lost masterpiece. I put it in the post. First class. Should be with you tomorrow. There's someone at the door. Hang on. Did you play it? What does it sound like? Jeff, I... Are you quite finished? I tracked music promoter and impresario Jock Spooner to a cheap little office in Soho with Spooner International Artists stenciled in frosted glass on the door. Back in the late 1970s, when number six was known as the venue, he had been the manager of a punk band called The Spasms. In person, he was a strung out nervous wreck, but he was also the last person to have seen Vinnie Flob alive on the night he died backstage. What do you want to know? I've got nothing to hide, unless you're with the Inland Revenue. I'm doing some research into number six Leicester Place. Are you now? Are you now? Well, I suppose you know it's haunted. I'm sorry? Don't worry, son. I say it like it is. Yeah, that bleeding ghost played havoc with our sound systems. And that is what you're interested in. Am I right? You're not wrong, Mr. Spooner. Call me Jock. Yeah, I was manager of the Spasms. And Vinnie Flobby wasn't a bad front man, God rest his soul. Things started to go wrong when Kevin, Kevin was Vinnie's real name, Kevin Painton, heard about the connection between the venue and that sold nutjob Drake. I mean, there'd always been strange things happening in the building. After the war, the frogs moved in for a while, but they left again, sharpish. You mean the French Cultural Centre? Something like that. But they didn't stick around for too long. Couldn't hack it. Don't ask me why not, but there were rumours it had something to do with what the frogs call Le Revenant Musician. Anyways, after that it became a punk venue, which is where yours truly came in. And then, poor old Kevin got the idea into his head to write an album inspired by the Drake murders. He was always erratic, was Kevin, but gradually, he started to get more and more confused. What do you mean? Well, he seemed to think that his stage persona, his alter ego, if you will, was taken over. It was a night I've been drinking to forget ever since. <laughs> in charge now. Vinny, Kevin, or whoever you are, open this door now. I've seen him. I know the secret. I can't ever die. If you don't open up, I'm breaking this door down. One, two, two and a half, three.
Piccadilly, farewell, Leicester Square. It was horrible. He'd stuck his nose stud into the plug socket. Do you have any idea what he meant by his last words, Mr. Spooner? Well, it's the old song, isn't it? It's a long way to Tipperary. No more to it than that, but I will tell you this. Kevin was a good lad. Well, once you got past the face studs and the spitting. Uh, and he was highly attuned to the universe. If you know what I mean, very in touch with the ether. There are some bad vibes in that building, and a sensitive soul like Kev can be very adept at picking up on them. I'm not saying, of course, that there was some malevolent paranormal force at work, but if there was, poor Kev was almost certainly killed by it. Goodbye. Farewell. The secret identify yourself. Sorry? Can you please identify yourself? I'm Detective Inspector Jameson with CID. CID? What? Who am I speaking to, please? Jeff. Uh, Jeffrey Verwood. And what is your relationship with Miss Thorley? You mean Kate? Is there something wrong? When did you last speak to Miss Thorley? Yesterday. What's this about? Why was she trying to call this number? Has something happened to her? Tell me what's happened, please. There was a break in here yesterday afternoon, burglary by the looks of it, with signs of violence, Miss Thorley's missing, and we're all very anxious to find her. Yesterday afternoon? She was at home. I, I rang her from a payphone. I'm in London. Anything suspicious? No, no. The, the call got cut short. Uh, wait. She said there was someone at the door. Well, any ideas who it might have been? No, no. I, I... Do you know who might have had cause to hurt Miss Thorley? And reason why she might have come to harm? I started packing desperate to head home, but there was one more surprise yet to come. Dr. Eldon! Geoffrey, there you are. are. Are you all right? Am I all right? What happened to you? It was extraordinary. I came back to my office yesterday. Strange. I'm sure I locked it. And who drew my curtains? Hello? Hello? Is, is anyone there? <gasps> Good Lord. What a dreadful mess. Who, who, who's there? Oh, I, I'm going to call the police. Knocked me out. All my books, my, my notes. It, it was such a such a mess. I calm down. Uh, uh, and this is ridiculous. But the whole thing felt yes, felt otherworldly. Anyway, I, when I came round and took stock of the mess, it, it was then that I noticed the only things missing. Well, everything I had on... On Anton Volderberg Drache. Yeah. I went straight round to see Kate. I thought you might be in some sort of danger. And she told me where you were, that she'd finished the score. Thorley's missing. 
What? Police just called yesterday afternoon. Oh, God. I must have led them straight to her. This is all my fault. No, you can't blame yourself. What time is it? Eight o'clock. Why? Because we need to get our hands on that manuscript. But, but surely if she finished it, whoever attacked us both must have taken it. I wouldn't have thought so, Dr. Eldon. Why not? Because it's downstairs in reception. I went into the street to hail a cab while Eldon checked the post in the hotel lobby. A moment later, he came running out with a shocked expression on his face. Geoffrey, <laughs> the concierge says that there was a package for room 57, but it was collected this morning by your wife. My wife? Well, what do we do? I'm not used to all this intrigue. There's only one place that the thief would have taken it. The Leicester Square Theatre. Taxi! What on earth is going on, Geoffrey? Either the stories are true and Anton Valderberg Dracker is attempting to come back from the dead and needs his lost music to do so, or someone who believes this to be the case is conspiring against us. Either way, I'm afraid we're dealing with a very dangerous madman. Crikey. The auditorium's through here. Hello? Is anybody there? No one. No, wait. The grand piano's moved. Geoffrey! Over here! Oh, no. Who is it? It's Stan. He was the caretaker. Look at his face. He was dead. His face was contorted into a mask of terror. What could have scared him that much? A single spotlight shone onto the stage, highlighting the grand piano. Are you all right, Geoffrey? Sorry, sorry, uh, yes. Uh, my fear of loud noises. Oh, don't worry, it's stopped now. Wait! There's someone out there! Who is it? Show yourself! Hello, Jeff. Kate! Kate. Jeff, move away from Dr. Eldon now! Kate, tell me you didn't kill that man. She didn't. I did. Is that a dueling pistol? The rumour is it belonged to Purcell. It still works. Keep still, Kate. This gun could shoot her and make an awfully loud bang at the same time, neither of which I imagine you'd find agreeable. Over there. He came round when you called me, started smashing up the place, but he couldn't find the score. Jeffrey has been very obliging. Oh, what an idiot. Why, Eldon? I didn't really want to, I, but I had to prepare the stage. One wasn't to know the place already had a caretaker. You really believe his score is key to eternal life? Play that symphony right here, here, once more, on this site. Draka will return and reward me 
With the same gift? What about the gun? You can't play one-handed. Oh, Kate, I won't be playing it. You will. Over my dead body. What about his? I'd do it, Kate. You know I would. Believe me, I'd rather you both help me of your own free will. Ollie, don't do it. You have to three. One. Ollie. Jeff, two, I... No. Three. No! All right. You win. Now, play. Kate, no, you can't. I said play. That's it. Keep playing. As Kate played, a ghostly vapour began to form at the centre of the stage. What is that? I don't know. It's him! The ectoplasmic mist solidified, becoming more real with every passing second. It's Draka! Kate, stop playing! No! I'll kill him! You know I will! Kate continued to play, and a large figure hunched and twisted appeared before her. It's hideous! As the music reached its climax, the thing slowly turned to face us. Draka! And we stared into the blazing eyes of Anton Valderberg Draka. I have outlived time itself. Stop it. Sorry, everyone. Um, if we can um, just just pick it right in the middle of the right in the middle of the exciting bit as well. Uh, if we can if we can just if we can just pick it up from Francesco. Are you right? Think so. Yeah. Okay. Good. Right. Um, uh, so we can just edit. All right. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we seem to have lost our light. It's a bit scary. Uh, I don't like Look, we've only got the theatre for a certain amount of time, so if we can keep recording. Um, can we keep recording, sound guys? We can't see the script. We need some light. Yeah, we can't see the script. Right. Uh, good. Good point. Um, ushers, can you come down with some torches, please? All right, thank you. Quick as you can, please, guys. I'm getting We're right in the middle of the exciting bit of the show here, so... Sorry, everyone, I apologise for this. I don't know what health and safety would have thought about that today. No. <laughs> if you can shine your torches straight onto the scripts. Can, can you guys see all right? Yeah, that's yeah, fine. fine. Yeah. All right, we're ready. We're ready to come back in. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, Scott, you're not needed, actually. So if you want to get off the stage, that saves, that saves, that saves you being hurt. Cheers. All right, sorry guys, um, let's continue, sorry about this, with tonight's performance of Phonophobia. Yeah. I found myself looking directly into the eyes of Anton Valderberg Drache. Herr Drache, I have freed you. Reward your loyal servants. This was my only chance and I took it. Jeff, no! 
I threw myself towards Eldon, going for his gun. I almost didn't feel the antique ball of lead as it hit me in the shoulder, and I wrestled Eldon to the ground. Grinning down on us, with hateful, triumphant eyes, stood Draka. Jeff! What should I do? I will not be undone. Undone? Undone the skullcake! Play it backwards! No! Draka's sudden look of doubt told me I was right. And that look of doubt became fear when Kate began to play his fearful masterpiece in reverse. And Draka seems to dissolve away, turning to dust. And he was gone. No. And Eldon changed too. Where a vicious madman had once stood there, now cowered a pathetic, defeated and harmless old man. It's lost. Gone. All gone. Jeff, are you all right? Can I do anything for you? Earplugs would be nice. <laughs> the police took Dr. Eldon away for questioning. He didn't struggle, he merely wept. He died not long after in his cell in a secure hospital for the criminally insane, apparently still lamenting the final death of Drache. Thorley rode with me to Annie, holding my hand all the way. Geoffrey? Kate? Will you? I... I mean, would you? Yes? Would you like to come and see ACDC with me in concert next month? Anything for a little peace and quiet. <laughs> Two years have now elapsed since we managed to prevent the evil Anton Drachers return from beyond the grave. We burnt both the score and the original notes he had left behind. The scrap of paper I'd stolen from a bookshop off the Charing Cross Road. Now we dedicate our lives to hunting down every other copy of that terrible haunted music. There are still copies out there that remain undiscovered and hopefully lost, but as each new Halloween approaches, we can only hope that we've done enough to, to make sure that, that the demonic madman's music is never again played at number six, Leicester Place. Oh. A word. at least. Okay, so maybe we can just get this thing recorded then, okay? Right, good. Okay, where's the act? Lucy! Michael! I'm... Are you coming? I'm getting out of there, guys. And Francesca, are you coming? James, are you coming?
You have been listening to a live recording of Phonophobia, written by Gareth Parker and Robert Valentine, with Lucy Joseph as Thorley, Michael McAvoy as Eldon, James Cross as Jeff, and Scott Thomas as Stan, bookshop owner, Inspector Jameson, old lady, station master, and builder, with live sound effects performed by Antonio Reed Felstead. Phonophobia was produced by Marielle Runacre Temple, Fran Kirkham, and Jack Bowman, and directed by Tom Brazier, with live music composed and performed by Francesco Quadro Arupolo, lighting design by Francis Brown, and operated by Gareth Brown, recorded sound effects and audio engineering by Tashari King, recording engineering and post-production by Matt Blair. Phonophobia was recorded in front of a live audience at the Leicester Square Theatre in London's West End on Sunday, 31st of October, 2010. For more details, please visit www.wirelesstheatrecompany.co.uk.